Hi everybody, Joel Junker here. Welcome to another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. In this episode, I interview Cameron Brooks alumnus Killian Wald, who attended our November 2017 conference, starting his post-military career with Stryker Medical in a financial planning analysis role in January of 18. In that time, uh, Killian's already been promoted, made a move from Kalamazoo, Michigan to uh, Flower Mound, Texas, where Stryker has uh, built up a new finance and data analysis uh, center of excellence. Uh, in that time as well, uh, Stryker gave him a special assignment to Singapore for six months where he worked on pricing some of the Stryker products over in Asia. It's a great conversation that uh, Killian talks about the value of the Cameron Brooks program from the one-on-one interactions with the Cameron Brooks recruiters working in a study group. And also he highlights uh, the value that a junior officer can bring to a finance career. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Killian, thank you for uh, being a guest on the Cameron Brooks podcast. Uh, appreciate you being on here. I'm excited to hear about your about your career since uh, November of 2017, or was it January 2017 when you started there? Yeah, it was November 2017, and I'm excited to be here, be here too, Joel. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Well, let's just let's jump in because before we got we started re- fully record, you were starting to give me an update on your career. Um, let's just start from the, the, and we'll dig back into your military time, but from this point, just talk to the, talk to me a little bit or share with the audience, like where you started work coming out of your transition and where you are now and how you got there. Sure. Sure. So I, uh, I transitioned out of the army with Cameron Brooks at the end of 2017. So I went to the November conference, um, and I joined Stryker medical devices in their finance, um, department. So I joined the enterprise financial planning and analysis team. So our team does, you know, planning and analysis for the entire company, not just a group or division or department. And um, I relocated from Clarksville, Tennessee to Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, where Stryker's headquarters are. Um, And I was a lead analyst on the enterprise FP&A team for about 12 months. Um, learned a lot. I mean, kind of really got got my teeth into finance at that point and was brought up to speed very quickly. And then uh, I was given an amazing opportunity to go to Asia um, for some project work that they, they had going on there. And so I went to Singapore and lived in Singapore for six months <laughs> on a special assignment um, and worked with the finance teams in our Asia businesses. And while I was in Asia, um, our, our finance, you know, our finance department decided to open up an office, a brand new office in Flower Mound, Texas. It's the Finance Center of Excellence. And I was offered a role to lead, uh, take a promotion to lead the enterprise FP&A team to relocate to that office. And that's where I am now. When you say enterprise FP&A, are you mean all across Striker or just the med surge enterprise? No, it's it's all of Stryker, all all wow. of our businesses. Yeah. So you're leading an FP, and how many of these FP and A teams that are that are enterprise wide, or are you it? So we're, we are it. Um, my team right now is, I'll say, a team of four. I have two direct reports, and then I report to a director. She reports to the vice president of enterprise financial planning and analysis, and he reports directly to the CFO. 
Um, but I would say the our groups and then the divisions underneath the groups have their own their own FP&A teams, but they're focused on solely their own business and not steering the company as a whole, which is what our team does. What types of things do you um, are do you guys as an FP&A team? What types of things are you analyzing and forecasting and working on for the enterprise? Sure. So. I would say we're mostly P&L focused. Um, you know, Treasury, our Treasury Department does most of the cash flow and balance sheet side of things, but we look at everything uh, from revenue down all through EPS, essentially. So, you know, every every line in the P&L is something we're concerned with on some level. Um, obviously, sales being the top line and one of the most important, and then op income being the other, because those are the two things that you know, leadership and Wall Street focus on. So part of part of our role is kind of communicating results and the story behind the results to our leadership, mostly the CFO and CEO, um, in order so that they can, you know, communicate that to the street on earnings calls. I probably should some people may not understand all the terms that you you're you're using, P and L being profit and loss. Ninety percent of the people are talking to probably know that, but some people may not. And I think sure. you said EPS, I mean, your earnings per share and then operating income. So yeah, you, sorry, how does leadership fit it? How does a GMO leader, how, I mean, I got like an MBA, how you fit into this and I maybe mean, you get your, your analytical undergraduate degree. How does a junior officer fit into an organization that's looking at balance sheets, income statements, statement of cash flows, P&L? Sure. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I mean, and I'll tell you, I think the key for any JMO is just the willingness to to learn and adapt and, you know, drink through a fire hose. It doesn't stop after the military, right? Um, so I came in and I, I was willing to learn, and I think that is the key. But um, really in any organization, they're looking for someone to, to come in and do the hard work and, and be willing to learn. And if a JMO is willing to do that, then I think, you know, they can be successful anywhere. Um, I had an economics degree coming out of college. Uh, I didn't have a finance degree. So, you know, the learning might have been a little bit steeper for me than for someone who has accounting or finance as their degree. But in the end, um, you know, you're going to learn 90, in my opinion, you're going to learn 90% of uh, what you need to know what by doing the job anyway. You know, a degree is great, but uh, what you're doing every day is what's going to teach you the most. So a lot, sometimes I hear from people about finance types of roles that, you know, oh, Joel, it sounds good. I'm interested in it. Yet, um, I don't, I don't want to be at a computer all day. I don't want to be analyzing numbers and spreadsheets all day. I mean, maybe point blank, is that what you do? Is just stare at an Excel spreadsheet all day? No, I mean, you know, it's, it's a fair point and it's a fair question. Um, I, I won't lie, you know, a fair amount of my day is at a computer. Um, some of it's in spreadsheets, some of it's looking at PowerPoints, but I spend a lot of time communicating with our businesses. I have some amazing business partners that I get to build relationships with. Um, I, I spend a fair amount of time listening to, you know, calls um, where, where the story behind the businesses is being explained. So that's really exciting. That's one of my favorite parts about the role. And so I, I would just kind of caution people on uh, making assumptions on any type of role. I know, for example, Cameron Brooks talks about sales roles a lot and don't make assumptions on, you know, all salesmen are 
used car salesman type of idea, right? It's the same thing for finance or HR or any other role. There's, there's, you know, a, a stigma that comes with finance, but that's not what the whole job is, right? Sure. There's always a part that we think it's just this, but there's many other parts into it. And what I hear is a lot of times what I think is a really good fit for a junior officer. It's the, not just the analysis, but it's the insight that you're pulling away from the, the, this, the recommendations, being able to tell the story, uh, influence and collaborate, which are all the things that, that you just talked about. And it's the why. Look how fast you've been promoted. I mean, I know you went to the November 17 conference, but it's, it's Jan, it's not even, you haven't even been there two full years. And I've heard, I went to Singapore for six months. I have now moved to probably a more desirable location for you. I've been promoted. That's in less than two. That's in less than two years. That's the that for me is the military officer story. And you would only be able to do what you've done, in my opinion, unless you're an exceptional. On uh, uh, in there, there are this. You see them. You probably because Striker's just so full of great people. MBAs with a lot of leadership upside potential, but I really think like a JMO that has the ability to, as you said, come in and ask questions, listen, learn, do the hard work. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of great moves, in my opinion, in your first couple of years. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I would agree with you. I mean, getting back to the financing, I think the important point is that, you know, the the interpersonal skills, right? Building relationships and realizing that everyone has challenges. And if, if you can apply your experience in the military um, using those skills to, to any role, finance um, not being specific or a special role in any sense, you know, you'll be successful. But yeah, to, to get back to your, your last kind of comment, um, you know, I've, I've been blessed with some great opportunities. I've had an amazing manager um, here at Stryker. And also some, some great mentors. So at the conference, I interviewed with Art Hartman, um, and he's been one of my mentors even after I was hired on to Stryker. And, um, you know, some great people who advocate for JMOs and, and veterans in general. And uh, Stryker is a very veteran-friendly organization. So, you know, the talent side of it, the learning side of it um, is the focus. You know, if, if you're – Stryker looks for people with, those those skills talent and and drive and not necessarily the skills that are you know the spreadsheets or the financial knowledge that can all be taught so i think that's an important thing to to keep in mind and joining a company that um, focuses on those type of things and is willing to to let someone grow and develop in a role by taking a chance on them i think is important for any jmo as well yeah for sure and i just want to put a little note out there about our Hartman. What a, what a great person, gentleman embodies, I think a lot of the striker culture and what people are looking for. He's certainly, uh, we're going to miss working with him. Uh, he's Absolutely. a great, great champion for veterans at striker and just a, just a, a great person to work with. And yep. I'm so glad he's done so many things for veterans there, um, that you, you had the opportunity to be mentored by him as well. Absolutely. So about Singapore. Tell me a little bit about Singapore. Like, what did you do over there for, for what type of work were you working on? Sure. So I'll, gi- I'll give some background, too. Um, on the Enterprise FP&A team, you know, we have business partners across the, you know, our U.S. D- groups and divisions as well as internationally. And I had been the business partner um, to our APAC, which is Asia Pacific Group. And uh, through that, I, I built some connections and some working relationships with their leadership over there. 
And when this opportunity came up, uh, you know, my name started getting thrown around and I was offered the opportunity to, to go. And so that's kind of how I um, was able to to take advantage of that. And um, so uh, it was a finance role for some special projects they had going on. Mainly, um, I would say my focus was on pricing in the region, as well as uh, putting together a five-year business plan, or I'll say a refresh of our five-year business plan for Mako which is a robotic uh, capital surgical unit that we, we sell. Uh, it does orthopedic surgeries on knees and hips. And uh, so those are my two big projects there. And, you know, I, I learned so much because it was a little outside of the scope of what I've been doing previously. Uh, I got to work with marketing and salespeople. I got to travel to, you know, a lot of Asian countries in order to kind of meet the the teams there and understand the challenges that they were going through. And then uh, just, you know, learning how a business operates internationally outside of the U.S. culture that, you know, we take for granted is just so eye-opening. It was one of the best experiences of my very short career so far. Let's just go off on the personal side for a moment. What was your the most fun personal uh, thing you did outside of work while you're in Singapore? Sure. So, you know, actually my, my wife's a nurse um, and she did not go with me full time. She had the option to, but she wanted to continue working as a nurse. And she came over and visited for a couple of weeks and uh, it's, travel is very cheap around Asia. The flights are very cheap. So we, we went all over the place and, um, you know, we went to Thailand and I think that was, it was just amazing because it's such a culture shock as opposed to Singapore, which is a very developed westernized Asian city, uh, or even the U.S., right? So kind of seeing how different certain areas of the globe can be uh, is amazing. And I had been to Europe before, and it's it's not even close to that either. I would highly recommend anyone that can, has the opportunity to, to work internationally or even just travel internationally to that part of the world to do so. Great. Thank you for the advice. We'll have to put it on the, the bucket list to get over to Thailand. And my daughter has a really good friend who uh, is from Singapore in in college. And I know that she's got it on her list to go to Singapore for one of her breaks. So I'm glad you pretty interesting. You got that experience pretty early on in your career. Um, Definitely. What what would you you know, when you when I, it's kind of an open ended question here, uh, Killian, sure. when you were. Um, thinking about getting on the podcast here and you got a whole audience of people that were, that are going to be listening to this, uh, at some time, most of them, most of them are people that are, um, thinking about getting out or preparing to getting out. So imagine you got somebody at Fort Campbell that's, uh, driving from Nashville to, uh, Clarksville at seven 30 in the morning, or maybe it's five 30 in the morning. That's in the Cameron Brooks program and is potentially getting out in the next year, what would you want to say to him or her? Uh, yeah, it's, that's a great question. And there, there's a lot. I mean, what works for me, I think, uh, might not work for some people, but I think there's some few, there's a few key pieces of advice I would give. And that's number one, trust the Cameron Brooks process. Um, it really is an excellent process. I mean, the, the interview prep, the the reading list, the development in general is not something you're going to find anywhere else uh, in my mind and it really does prepare you for a great 
interviewing experience and success once you join the company that you end up with. So trust the process and get as much one on one interviewing time and you know the the group work as you can. Um, I know a lot of people I would talk to um, kind of would be a little bit nervous to go and talk with you one on one or have those practice interviews, but it it helps so much. So I would say I kind of work on that. And then also people uh, are nervous when they meet with me, Killian. Is that true? Oh, Joe, Joe, I don't know. I you know I'm not. I think you and I are pretty good friends at this point. So yeah. not anymore. But I think, you know, c- coming into a new program, which Cameron Brooks is a very, um, you know, very well regarded program for transitioning veterans. I think uh, there, there could be some nervousness there, especially because interviewing yeah. is something that I don't think, I think veterans and JMOs don't really like to talk about their, their experience and kind of brag about themselves, which some of interviewing is, right? Yeah, I've seen some of the most you know, when I say hardened, I don't mean in a bad way. I mean, just people that have been in some really tough military situations come into an interview and it's very difficult because you're so vulnerable. You know, you just, <laughs> there's a lot on the line. You're, you're having to talk about yourself, foreign environment. You talk, you're interviewing with somebody you've never met before. And, you know, if you're interviewing for a job, it, it's, uh, you know, it's like one of the top three or four stressful things you can do. Um, so I was joking about people being nervous when they when they meet with me, but I'm glad that you consider <laughs> yeah. you consider me inside your club now, and you didn't feel interest uh, <laughs> nervous anymore. So I appreciate that. But uh, well, keep think, going with uh, that advice. There, go ahead. I think going through any career conference with Cameron Brooks, you know, the Cameron Brooks team kind of becomes part of your your club, right? It's yeah, a very it sure. is you're right. It is a very stressful experience, and you know, you get everyone through it. So in my mind, that's a it's a big win. What do you let's let's change over to something else. Tell me what some of your favorite things are about working at Stryker. Sure. So, you know, Stryker is the first company um, I've ever worked at outside of the Army. So um, I can I don't really have a lot to compare to, but I'll tell you what what I do like and what stands out to me is uh, the, the people and the culture is something that Stryker's continually recognized for um, with uh, external awards and and such. And so I see that every day. I mean, the people I work with are extremely driven, um, very uh, invested in their own development and the development of others. So, you know, if I reach out to someone and have questions or want to get an idea of their experiences or their opinion on something, I've never really been turned away. Everyone's very open and, and willing to help. And I think that's important in, in, uh, in a company. And, you know, the, the other thing that really um, interests me and also kind of motivates me on a day-to-day basis is uh, because my company, Striker, invests in talent so heavily, uh, none of us are really confined to a single career path, right? So I started in finance, but if at some point I decide that I want to go try out sales or work in marketing or go to HR or go into operations and manufacturing, those opportunities are open to me. I'm not, I'm not confined to finance for the rest of my career. It's not a straight ladder. And that goes hand in hand with development. So I think, um, you know, that gives me, that gives me a warm and fuzzy at night. If if I decide I want to broaden, I, I have those opportunities. And I think that is an important thing to keep in mind when choosing a company. Um, 
with that, in terms of choosing uh, choosing the company, it's going to go back back and forth on the advice. You talked about trusting the Cameron Brooks process. What about the process of the follow up interview process of you know how should you know, recommendations of how to navigate going on follow up interviews, determining ultimately which company you want to work for. Like, how did you? Maybe it's just some best practices that you would like. If I was your friend, which we just determined we are friends, but if I was your friend getting out of the military <laughs> and I yep. was getting ready to make a decision, you would say, Joel, think about these things when you're making that decision of where you want to go work. Yeah. So. You know, you get, I think, you give the interview sheets, what, 24 hours ahead of time or 12 hours ahead of time? Do I remember that correctly? Um, yeah, you find out which companies you interview with on Wednesday, and then you get the all the details on Friday. Got it. Yeah. So, um, it, it, you know, that I don't think that's enough time right then and there to decide which companies you really are the most interested in. You have to go through the process and go through the interview. So, not jumping to conclusions right away is important. And then in, in the follow-up interview process, I think it's it's really important to give every company a shot, right? Um, because, you know, I know my mind changed on what my top choice was as I went through the, the interview process and some companies shifted and uh, some moved up and some moved down. And that's something you can only get, you know, after going and experiencing the, the company on site and meeting some of their staff and interviewing with some of the follow-ups, right? Um, so I think not jumping to conclusions is very important. And then also doing research. So uh, only through my follow-up research did I kind of see, did I learn what Striker was about and kind of how how unique and special the culture is here. Um, and that's, I think that's important as well. You have to put the time in and invest in, in reading about the company, look at articles that have been published, the recent news, things like that. Great. Really, really good advice. What have you, as we wrap up here, a couple, couple questions I'd like to ask almost, what do you do for self-development? How do you, you know, that's one of the things we really espouse before you're getting out. And our yeah. alumni are just really good at carrying that habit with them into corporate America. What do you do to to keep learning? Yeah, so I mean, for me, it's it's a couple things. I think the the reading list in Camera Books gives a great start. Um, there's some amazing amazing books on there. Uh, continue that as you as you transition into your full time role. Um, stay interested in business in general, um, and don't kind of just you know float through your positions. Um, me, I like personally. I like podcasts a lot. Um, one of my favorite podcasts is called the Leadership Podcast. Um, it's not super long a lot of the time. You can even if there are longer episodes, you can break it up into you know thirty or forty-five minute segments. So that's good. I personally like to listen to earnings calls. So when companies report their earnings, that's pretty unique to my position uh, because it's something that we deal with on a daily basis is what Wall Street is focusing on and what kind of metrics are being focused on. So finding something that kind of really applies to the role that you're in, I think is, is beneficial. Um, and then other than that, you know, reading books uh, that, that just interest you in general. So I've recently read a book called What They Don't Teach You at Harvard. It's, I think, What They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business School. And you know, stuff like that, uh, where it's a fun read, it's quick, uh, it's not super technical. Just, I think that helps to stay interested in business and learn continually as well. 
Good. Well, I really appreciate it. I've never, I've not heard of the leadership podcast. I've heard of the book, um, but I have not read what they don't teach you at Harvard Business School. So those are definitely some things I'm going to check out. And I'll put links to these in the show, in the, the episode notes on our website. Last question as we wrap up, uh, Killian, best advice that you've ever received that you're willing to share with the audience? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I think there's there's two pieces. Um, number one, it's I have a quick story. I was actually I just moved here to Flower Mound, and um, I had a, a a brand new team, and you know we were going through uh, a projection cycle and uh, an org change and all that. And you know, work was really it was stressful at that point. There a lot was going on, and I was at a at a restaurant uh, sitting at the bar. And I was talking with a, a guy who had said he was a, a veteran and he was obviously in business now. And I was kind of telling him about the challenges that I had in my role. And he said to me, you know, uh, that's why they hire veterans is because you go through the hard situations and you lead through them and, and you get the results. And <laughs> he later told me this guy's name was George Sherman. He's the current CEO of GameStop. So he's got some challenges ahead of him, too. Um, but that was wow. some great advice. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, and it just really great. made me think about it. Yeah, it's, and it's true. It is true. That's why companies hire veterans. Um, and then the other thing was, you know, m my father was in business for a long time. And when I was thinking about going to Singapore, um, it was a big decision, right? <clears throat> and uh, he told me to, to take risks earlier in your career, right? And invest that time then, and, and that'll pay mm. dividends later. And mm. he was right, you know, the... Yeah, so the learning is just unbelievable, and those those two pieces of advice are just very valuable in my mind. Yeah, if I may just build on each of those individually. One, um, you know, we give the alumni talk on Sunday night, and I don't know how much you remember of it, but I changed it up a little bit on Sunday, talking to the alumni about there's going to be challenges. And our alum, you know, for a strong majority, do what you said. They do go through the hard times. But there's a lot of veterans, not necessarily ours, and ours, some of our, you know, we're not perfect. So what we're trying to stop people from doing is hitting the hard time and going the, the other direction. And it just, I don't think people recognize that they give up on the true value that they give a company by not getting through the hard time and how much it derails their career. I mean, think about if you were to stop and switch at Striker right now, all that momentum you've got going for you. So what I shared with them was this book, and I may have been reading it about the time that you and I were working together. So I may have mentioned to you, it's called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And it uses stoicism to help get through the hard times. And the hard time is the obstacle and the way to the to to succeed is is through the obstacle. It, it That is the way that we get there. And I just love that. And I keep a lot of quotes from the book sticky down my monitor. I talk about the book, give it to people as gifts. So that would be my contribution to this podcast. And then, oh my gosh, Achille, you could hear me gasp when you said, take risks early, pay dividends. Because one of the things we talk to people and they make the decisions is that the biggest advantage that you have in your career right now is the amount of time that you have in front of you. And so if you can invest in your career early, get it right, it will pay dividends later on. And sometimes what people will do is they take the easy way on things 
so the, going back to the dividends of money, the easy way if we use the money option is to spend the money, not to save it. Yep. But then we lose that we lose that the, that upside when we're later on in our career. And I know we're um, I'm probably a, at least 15, probably closer to 20 years older than you are, but probably 18, something like that, older than you are. I was just driving on the work to the other day, thinking, man, I am really lucky. I'm really fortunate. I I'm a partner at Cameron Brooks. I really love what I do. Work with great people. I got one a junior in college where she wants to be in college. I got one as freshman in college, being able to pay for it. I got two more kids that are thriving at home. But I made some decisions early on in my career where I had to sacrifice, whether it be nights at home, um, maybe doing some tough jobs or things that I didn't really want. And it's always with Cameron Brooks. That's where I've had my career. But I feel like, boy, now it's paying dividends in terms of I really enjoy it. And I did enjoy my work early, but it was harder. But both monetarily, experience, enjoyment, it is paying dividends. Doesn't mean I don't have the hard times right now, but I am now really benefiting from the fruits of those, if we use a money term, of saving um, and that delayed gratification. But I don't want people to think that I didn't enjoy my career earlier. But by making sacrifices early, I am I have a lot of things that I'm really enjoying in my life now because yep. some of those sacrifices I made. So it's such great advice that your dad gave me. He was probably a little bit older than I am. Um, certainly, I think he was at Abbott. I don't have your file in front of me, but this is a he guess. Was, yeah. he no, at Abbott, is that right? Memory. Yeah, you and, um, 60, 68 it, years old at this point. So yeah, a little yeah, bit older. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> I'm in my late 40s. So he's, he's, uh, um, yeah, he's had the development candidate career. So I'm so, thank you for both of those pieces of advice and all of the things that you shared with us today, Killian. And, um, you know, I've Absolutely. always really enjoyed working with you. You've always impressed me. Um, and there's, there's just no doubt that you have, just succeeded so much in less than two years because of because of who you are and your your intellect, your hard work, and all this advice you've shared with us here. So thank you for for being on the on the podcast. And this is the last thing is you know we're about five hours away from Flower yep. Mound in Fredericksburg, and we're in the wine country, the fastest growing wine region of the United States. Um, so you've always got a place to come down and visit, um, and lots of great recommendations of where you should stop. Uh, and well, see thank it. you. <clears throat> yeah, Texas Hill Country is on our list. Sounds good. Thanks, Killian, for being part of the show. Thanks, Joel, and thank you for everything that you do every day for JMOs. It's, it is much appreciated. Thank you again for listening to another episode. I hope you enjoyed all the lessons and tips that Killian had to uh, to share. A couple of notes. Uh, if you want to find the link to the uh, the leadership podcast that Killian refer- refers to, put that in the uh, the blog post. And he, I also put the link to the book that Killian liked, which was what things, what they don't teach you at Harvard Business School. So I hope you enjoy. To learn more about Cameron Brooks, go to our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. Our book, PCS to Corporate America, is on Amazon.com. And of course, any questions, suggestions, email me at joel at Cameron-Brooks.com. 